if you don't have the optimism, it's really, it's really easy to bring the team down from the spirit point of view. Optimism is how you approach these issues and how you solve them. Think about corporate America or your company or your business. If you go into a meeting or if you go to talk to somebody and your face is really angry and you know, you're upset and you're talking to somebody, what do you think the reaction of the other person will be? Other than that, a simple smile and some teeth, you know, with a smile, it will go a long way. It will go a long way. Try it sometime. Hey there, this is Ben. Thanks for tuning in to Lead the Team. Before we jump in, we just broke into the top 3% of all podcasts globally, and that's largely due to the support of listeners just like you. I invite you to subscribe so you're notified when we release a new episode and also leave a quick review. Welcome back to Lead the Team with number one best-selling author and in-demand corporate trainer, Ben Fanning. On this podcast, the world's most innovative senior leaders share their top success strategies to motivate your direct reports, cultivate your top leaders, and accelerate your career. Let's get started. Here's Ben. Hello, Lead the Team Nation. Holy smokes, I have got a great one in store for you today with Pablo DC, who is the president and CEO of Volkswagen Group of America. He leads all Volkswagen operations in the U.S., Mexico, and Canada. And also, he also leads U.S. operations for Audi, Bentley, Bugatti, Lamborghini, and VW Credit, and oversees manufacturing, engineering, research, and testing, purchasing, and distribution across the U.S. That's a lot. Man, we're going to dive in and have some fun today. Pablo, welcome to Lead the Team, sir. Ben, it's great to be here. Thanks for the invitation. Looking forward to our chat. Oh, yes. Let's do it. Well, I understand um, you love sports, especially soccer. So let's dive in. And I understand you were a collegiate athlete back in the day. How has having that background, being a collegiate athlete, informed your life, informed your leadership style? Yeah, man, that's a great question. Listen, um, you know, I, I went through a lot of good schools here in the U.S., but uh, from a management style point of view, I learned the most by playing football or soccer. <laughs> and right. I explain you why. And I Tell explain me you more. Why. I like this. So, you know, when you play in, in teams, it can be soccer, it can be basketball, football, whatever team sports you play. Mm-hmm. The first thing that you learn is that the team wins. It's not one player, it's not two players. So you need one objective, you need team spirit. You need the understanding of the players that the main objective is to gain games or championships and not in the individual recognition. Hmm. Obviously, mm-hmm. you need the talent. So it, you know, I played in teams that were very good. I played in teams that they were okay. And I played in bad teams. Uh, <laughs> Um, Run the uh, spectrum. Okay. I went through the spectrum. So, but most of the times when we were champions, hmm. it, it was not the most talented team. It was a team that it was most united in spirit, in the objective, that we created good chemistry among the players, and that we understood the deficiencies of each player should be compensated with others. All the things I, I told you, Ben, are 100% applicable to any company, hmm. medium, small, or super large like VW. 
So mm. as long as you have the team spirit, everybody aligned on an objective, not looking at one department, but at the organization across the board. And in a big multinational, that's a huge challenge. So it's yeah, easier yeah. said than done. But uh, I try to, you know, when I go and get a new challenge, I try to work on the culture and the team spirit at the beginning. Because I think that's the glue mm. that puts it all together and will make a company successful. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that. And one of the things that I mean, football, soccer, is either the or one of the most internationally, I mean, acclaimed sports, right? It crosses, it really crosses national boundaries. Here we are about to enter World Cup time. And you really see that. And so I can definitely see how it translates well to running an international company because, uh, you know, you are trying to bring people together in one common goal. Now, thinking about your sports history from when you're a little guy running around the pitch to, you know, your, your collegiate career, I don't know if you're still kicking the ball around or not, but is there like, what, what was one of the most memorable moments where you really saw, you know, in, like in a game or a practice or on, on a team when, when things really came together in a unified way? Yeah. I still kick the ball around, you know, uh, not as good <laughs> as I used to be, but Hey, I still kick the ball. Uh, you know, when I was around, I think it was like around six or seven, hmm. uh, I still remember a game that we lost two to zero. I was a really young boy, and I was so angry, and I started to cry uh, out of anger after the game. And, you know, I realized that after the fire that I had inside of me, yeah, the passion hmm. for the game. So I wasn't angry at a person or anybody in particular. I was just really upset for losing that particular game. So that uh, then, you know, after many, many years looking back, I think uh, I realized that I had that fire. And that fire in Argentina, that's where I'm from, uh, took me to the U.S. You know, when I was 15 years old, uh, that's before the Internet, before the cell phone, not the smartphone, before the cell phone. Um, <laughs> uh-huh. I, I wrote a couple of letters to, to the U.S., some U.S. colleges looking for a scholarship. This was 1988, a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that's the fire that I still look when I interview people, Ben. When I interview people, I look at people in the eyes and I want to see the fires in their eyes. All right. So nice. You know, so you so you recognize the fire in yourself and also in that moment too throughout your career, you've recognized the fi- having the fire in your teammates. And like you said before, it may not always be the talent, it may not be the most talented, but if they're unified and they do have this passion fire to win. Man, it sure does go an awful long way. Ben, you were not born a podcaster. I was not born. (laughs) Not the reason. You learned. I learned. Everybody learned. So, I mean, technical stuff can be taught, right? The passion, giving it all, uh, making sure that you play for a team that, you, you know, you can improve it, but that you need to have. Such a good point and a very hopeful point for leaders to be thinking about for themselves because, you know, the the world is changing so quickly and, you know, you may hire someone for a skill set or strength they have, but if that's all they've got, they may not be able to keep up and develop with everything going that quickly and, and having the fuel, the fire to win helps us keep growing as leaders and individuals. And I think you have an excellent point there. Um, one of the things that comes up for me r- right now 
is thinking about a quote um, that I've that you're known for. So you're known for saying innovation, creativity, and optimism are critical for success. And it's the CEO's job to nourish and drive these in teams. And I really connected with that quote because you really identify the job of a leader, not just the CEO in that moment. But what's your advice for leaders uh, for, for fostering this in their team? Yeah, I, you know, I wouldn't be that uh, arrogant to give advice, but the way I manage it, um, I think, uh, you know, when you read mm -hmm. the newspapers, you watch TV, the radio, however you are fed with the news, you, you don't get that many good news, right? So That's what sells is the bad news. <laughs> yeah, so I think optimism is, mm -hmm. is a characteristic that is really necessary in the leaders. Everybody likes to be motivated. Everybody likes to be... Uh, feels good. Yeah, it feels <laughs> good, you know, build around the purpose. And I always tell my teams, it's not only my job, it's everybody's jobs in, in my leadership team to make this happen. So mm. what we need to do is to hire good people, train the people that we have here in BW, that we have a lot of really good people, that they can gain autonomy and they can make mistakes. And that's the issue culturally, Ben, that we have in the auto industry. You, you come from, we were trained Hmm. Not to make mistakes, obviously, for safety, and that we should never compromise. That's a, mm -hmm. a zero compromise. Hmm. But then you have this digital world, yeah, where we need to make mistakes and make fast, make these mistakes fast, and then fix them. So it's a mixed culture that hmm. we're living through, and we need yeah. to adapt to this. So from a leadership point of view, from a leadership point, optimism and fostering this innovation, creativity, is part of the process. And how you do it? Living it day by day. Hmm. What an interesting dichotomy. I don't know. I thought about that. How you want to foster the innovation and creativity, but it's not like you guys are running Meta or Twitter or something like that. This is a this is a safety-based industry. So you've got to find that balance as a leader and talk about that. Um, and I like and I like what you said about optimism because there's also a fine line when it comes to optimism of seeing the world through rose-colored glasses, like everything's going to be okay. Um, versus, okay, we can get through this and persevere. I love that, Ben. Let me give you another analogy. I love speaking in analogies. What you just said. The thing, one of the things I learned in, in soccer was that, you know, when when you're winning three zero or basketball or whatever, when you're winning three zero, it's easy to play well. It's really easy. There's no pressure. There's no pressure. Yeah. Yeah, when you're losing two to three zero, and you need to turn around again, there's certain players. They don't need to be the captains. There's certain leaders of the team, as we say in soccer. You know, you put your team behind your back and you carry your team. Mm. Yeah. So, those are the people that I look for in the organization. People that, and resilience is a is a word that is very famous nowadays, right? I was born in a hyperinflation country. So I was born resilient. Uh, so that resilience, you, you can learn from sports. And then you should translate that into the organization. And how do you foster that? And how do you make people understand that, you know, tough times will be always be here. But if you don't have the optimism, it's really, it's really easy to bring the team down from the spirit point of view. Mm. Yeah, such a good point. 
to recognize. And I like how you tie that back to leadership and the responsibilities of that. What's it is sort of take switching gear just a little bit. You're the first Latin American CEO of all Americas for, uh, for, for Volkswagen there. What's it been like? Well, before I answer your question, let me tell you um, how I feel. Um, I'm very thankful to the organization, to the board of directors in Germany, because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. you know they could have chosen anybody here. And when you know, you, you hear a lot of diversity, resilience, uh, but I'm living proof of diversity. Mm. Yeah. And it's not it's not a minor thing. So I'll take that very seriously. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm very thankful to to the board for giving me this opportunity. How do I feel? I feel energized. I feel challenged. The team has done an incredible job um, over the last couple of years of turning around the business. They did great things on the product. And not but, and it's only the beginning. Mm. So we mm together need to take the company to the next level we're still you know a, a two and a half percent market share company mm-hmm. we need to double this in the next couple of years we need to make the brand more present we need to get more responsibility in the region we need to nationalize more the knowledge whether it's engineering digitalization or design so i've seen a lot of good people and a little good content we just need to work together closer as a team and fight for the future in a positive way. So the transformation you're looking to to create at this point, it sounds like is one of unity, tying it back to your word that you mentioned earlier. You're, you're, is that it or that's it, Ben? I think it? but that's the way I manage. <clears throat> you know, when when you have a team that is united, a team that has the same objective, uh, I believe, and this is you know something inside of me. That if you're working together with people that they, they care about the company, they care about the brand, we care about each other, mm. that we're gonna make, and then I give you autonomy, then I give you autonomy, then whatever area you are, whether it's engineering, whether it's design, whether it's finance, you're gonna do your best and you're gonna try to fight for the company in a good way to make the best out of it. And you know, you're gonna win, you're gonna lose. Uh, but if we communicate to each other, if we work together, together, let me give you one example, going to business, uh, you know, supply chain is completely disrupted, completely disrupted in the world, not only in North America, everywhere. Yeah. So I realized that if we have a team and today, earlier today, we had a video conference yesterday as well with the manufacturing director, with the purchasing director and some of the suppliers on analyzing what the problems are and trying to fix them together. He wasn't the mm. manufacturing director looking at purchasing, saying, listen, uh, you need to give me the part because my factory is stopping. So once you get that spirit together of, I recognize we have many problems, not one, <laughs> we have many problems. How do we get together manufacturing, purchasing within the company and the supplier and work together and instead of blaming each other, positively, looking at options, trying to fix them. And that spirit, it has nothing to do with technical stuff. Mm. That's one of the hardest lessons for people to learn. I don't know. <laughs> it seems because I think in a lot of big companies, especially where I mean, I, I, I worked for some large fortune 50 companies back in the day. 
And people, there's this mentality that forms around their, people's function. And we're trying to protect our silo. We don't want to lose control. We don't want to lose power. So we don't want to accept that own responsibility. Or maybe, you know, as my dad said, whenever you point the finger at somebody, there's always three fingers pointing back at you. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like that whole mentality. And it can be hard to overcome that. I mean, you're, you're, especially when you're dealing with so many people across so many regions, so many supply chains to look at. Um, well, yeah, yeah, but you know, going back to leadership, and then I tied to, to, to the concept, mm-hmm. you need to lead by example. Hmm. So all the, all the things I told you are just words. But then, if I, I mean, I, we have many problems with the supply chain, many. If I would go to my board and look at the supply chain director, purchasing director, and just have a conversation with her, it's a lady, why you're not performing, why you're not doing that, then I would just foster that silo mentality. Right? So my discussions are I get the manufacturing director, I get the responsible for logistics, I get the responsible for purchasing, mm-hmm. and it's not about the purchasing person is not about the supplier. We need to solve the problem. We have a problem. We need to find a solution. So hmm. again, it's more cultural than technical because the problem needs to be solved regardless of, of your approach, whether if you're authoritarian, whether you're more democratic, whether you, you, know, you, you have the team spirit, like uh, I believe you should have the team spirit. The problem needs to be solved somehow. It's just how you approach the problem. And I believe that the team spirit and working together and not blaming one area, but getting everybody involved around it, that's the way to do it. Yeah, there seems like there's two steps. Like you're saying, you're maybe you as the leader, you're surfacing the problem. And then you're creating, there's like a maybe a skill there of you know, like using the word unification. They talked about we we're creating a unified group of people on this problem versus blame and we got a global blame problem <laughs> i mean not just in the company just a culture you know in the world and so it's i think it's a big challenge for leaders to create this atmosphere where people come together in a unified way uh to address a problem not easy to do but if you can hang your hat of success on that i think it's really big Fast forwarding a little bit, you know, you're coming in right right now. Let's fast forward years down the road. You've created the transformation that you wanted. And you're in the moment of, hey, I'm about to move on, retire. I don't know, go do something else perhaps one day. When you look back, what is the legacy that you hope uh, would uh, would hope to leave inside the organization? Yeah, a, a couple of things. Not only in this job, but in my previous jobs. Um, first and foremost, making people grow, uh, mm-hmm. develop. Yeah, so uh, I have developed people in in most of my teams. Um, they have always, or not always, but most of the times, have been promoted or have grown and learned. They've been, t- you know, tough times because I usually work on turnarounds or in you know in in, in high challenge environments. Uh, but when you look back. It's a lot of work, a lot of work, but you look back, 
then you feel good about it because the results, we've done something different. Uh, there's people development. So that's that's one. People development, it, it's critical for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, working for the environment, it's also critical. I mean, I've been a big supporter in Brazil of biofuels, which reduces CO2 by 80%. Mm-hmm. We have oh. a different strategy here in the U.S., which is electric, which, you know, most of the energy that we have to electrify America, 100% is renewable. So yeah. that is a great uh, purpose mm. of trying to improve the environment for my kids, your kids, everybody's kids for the future. So I think those are the two the two main points. Man, I love that. So we, we talk about on the show a lot, legacy is it just the stock price, right? Your real legacy is through people. Those are the ones that will remember you. And when you impact your employees, you impact their families. You impact the people that they interact with in their communities. And I just love that. And I'm glad you mentioned that. Although it was interesting to me, and I don't know why I haven't heard this more, but you said environment. And I think that, man, the world we live in now, that is so important to consider um, how your how your leadership legacy impacts the environment also. Yeah. And, and you know, we have the, um, the purpose in the company. We have the responsibility. Uh, let me tell you, a couple of years ago, Volkswagen was the first OEM to adhere to the Paris Accord. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're one of the biggest pushers for electrification in the world at a huge investment, a lot of innovation. Um, and, and not only the electrification, which, which is a key, a key part, but through Electrify America, trying to generate renewable energy. So Volkswagen is very hard on ourselves in a positive way because we look from cradle to grave. That, that means... We look from the manufacturing process from the suppliers. How can we improve and reduce the suppliers' CO2? How, how, how do we improve mm-hmm. our own operations? How we look at our mm-hmm. dealer network? So we look, we have a very aggressive 2050 zero impact, but not only in BW's operation, in the entire day cycle. Oh, yeah. How cool. What a great way to live out your legacy as a leader tying it directly to the legacy of the broader organization. I mean, that's that's how it all comes together. Want to boost your productivity and decision-making? Get vital insights from each episode delivered directly to your inbox. A great resource, whether you've listened to the episode or not. Go to benfanning.com slash insight. One of my favorite questions to ask is when when's the time you had an unexpected twist or failure in your career and it had to lead to your success or growth on down the road? Yeah, great question. So, you know, when uh, I, I went to the U.S. when I was 17, um, I spent uh, about 15 years in Chicago studying and working. And then a company, I used to work for a company called Kimberly Clark. They offered me to go to Brazil. Mm-hmm. Uh, to to be part of the operations. And I, I never had operational experience. I was always working at headquarters. So 
had a lot of failures because I didn't speak the language Portuguese at the time uh, in a very complex environment. And they were my first steps as the manager managing people. And I <laughs> a made, lot of headwinds in that role. <laughs> oh my God. And I made many mistakes. I made many mistakes. Uh, there were, um, you know, a lot of pressure, um, high impact projects at the time. It was 2000, mm-hmm. and 2000 to 2005 in Sao Paulo, in Brazil. So um, I took a lot of learnings from the team because out of my mistakes, uh, managing people, uh, and I had a, a really good team that they gave me feedback constantly. And then as time went by, I went adjusting and uh, improving my management style. So um, I was really hard, and I'm still I am on myself. I, I try to maintain myself. You know, I am who I am. But uh, some things that I always try to to manage and improve. So when you think about those moments and you um, those challenges you have, is there a process you go through for self-reflection uh, or do you journal or what's your, what's your process for, I guess, gleaning the, the learning from, from those mistakes or challenges? Yeah, so, um, a variety. So, you know, through my career, I went through many executive educations. I think talking to different people, different professions, different schools, that's a way of learn. I believe a lot, uh, been in 360s. 360. So, um, and the blinded one, the ones that you don't know who the feedback is coming from. Uh, Those can be a little difficult. But they're good. <laughs> but, they're good. but they're good. So, I did a lot of 360s, the ones yeah. that you, the people, mm-hmm. and then, you know, it's a tool. So, if you give it to your friend and he tells, oh, you're pretty and you're so good, then, then don't do it. <laughs> Just don't do it. Yeah. So, um, I participate in sixties that you give the uh, the forms to the people. I participate in three sixties that the people are chosen for you. I think you need to be honest with yourself and you know make a balance. What you're good at, what are the things you improve. I always tell people, uh, yeah, I'm impatient. You know that thing can be improved, but I am who I am. So no matter how many times you tell me, <laughs> I'm still going to do something like that. Yeah. So. Uh, when an employee has a big idea, what's your advice on how they should effectively communicate it to the C-suite? They should fight for it. Ooh. They should fight for it. Fight for it. Okay. Tell me yeah, more. Give like, me more. You know, um, when, when I look at presentations, and I do a lot of pushbacks, right? So when you present to me, then uh, I start poking and see if you love your idea or if you say, okay. You know, I give up. So that that's a management that's great. It's not good. It's not bad. It's uh, just the way I am. So so I like that, and it is very authentically tied to passion that you talked about earlier with your with your in your soccer days, and recognize that in the players. Um, I, and sometimes, mm-hmm. Ben, you know, mm-hmm. in the past, I said, "Listen, I strongly disagree with this. I but I strongly disagree. We're going to lose money with this. But since you strongly believe it." Do it, and I'll see you in six months. And you tell me, you know, if we fail, it's okay. At least you're going to learn something. <laughs> yeah, and that can be a great education sometimes. There is a, uh, the way I, I think about it sometimes, Seth Godin, who's a big international blogger, he talks about, uh, it's like like placing a bet 
but you don't want to like bring the house down. You don't put all of your money on one thing and then that's it. You want to play small bets. So when you lose, you can still keep playing the game <laughs> uh, on these risks. No, that's great. So fight for it. Fight for it. Really, really like that. So what are three success strategies that you believe all employees need to understand? Yeah, so I'll go back to your who you are. I think um, mm -hmm. we all need to be hungry and then explain what hungry means. Hungry to me means uh, remain curious. Uh, mm -hmm. There are always things that you can learn. Um, you might be an expert in podcast, but you know you might learn about government relations if you're interested, or you might learn about you know, chemistry if you're interested. Um, so hunger is uh, it's critical to me uh, because mm. if not you get complacent, right? And once you think that you know it all, uh, that's that's the beginning of the end. That's the beginning of the end. The, the second advice that I can give people is um, study, study, and then study some more. Uh, and not just study books, but the more exposure you have to different organizations, to different ways of thinking. Uh, whether it's economy, production, finance, whichever area it is, I think it will give you an exposure, a broader exposure that at least, even though if you don't agree, you understand how other people think. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah? And there's some other ideas besides your beliefs. Mm. So I think that that's another one. Uh, and the third one is, you know, there's nothing easy in life. I mentioned this before, resilience is the uh, it's like a fat world world uh, nowadays? But um, if you think that things will be easy uh, because you work for Volkswagen or, or Google or any other company, then uh, then there's something wrong. Right? You're gonna get a lot of issues, a lot of problems, and it goes back to the beginning of our conversation. Optimism is how you approach these issues and how you solve them. So those are the three things that I could I could tell you. So I love, I love this, by the way, talking about optimism, one of my favorite words, do you believe that optimism is nature or nurture? In other words, do you just have it or is it something that, that you can learn and develop? I'll tell you from my experience. Um, I think I was optimistic, but not a lot. And I was nurtured. So I think you mm. need to have the trait, but definitely you can significantly improve it. Significantly improve it. And uh, obviously, you will go back to your life experiences, to the exposure that mm -hmm. I just mentioned, meeting other people. Yeah, I lived uh, 15 years in Brazil. You know, you have all types of problems. So there's a lot of problems, social problems, mm -hmm. economic mm -hmm. problems, infrastructure problems. But people, I, you know, they said it in Portuguese, said it, good with life right they're good with life mm. so they have a different approach so i i incorporated a lot of that but each person is different and we all can learn we all can learn and improve our skills yeah i, I like that and that's a very hopeful perspective uh when you think about optimism also i think about don seligman here i talked about uh learned hopelessness being on the other side of it where they um 
essentially people learn that they can't do anything about the situation and just kind of throw their hands up. And I think a great way to combat that is, is some of these ways that you discussed about optimism as a leader, helping them find the opportunity, help them. And, and I, I think, about, and I like what you said about the, about the culture that you grew up in, where it sounds like, even though there were a lot of challenges in Brazil, the cultural mindset was one of optimism. And I think if you create a team, you create a company, a division like that, people that come in that may not feel very optimistic or hopeful, you can sort of infuse them emotionally from just being in the culture and and, and shift their mindset. Have you found it to be the case? Yeah, you got it right on. Ben, I mean, think about corporate America or your company or your business. If you go into a meeting or if you go to talk to somebody and your face is really angry and, you know, you're upset and you're talking to somebody, what do you think the reaction of the other person would be? Other than that, a simple smile and some teeth, you know, with your smile, it will go a long way. It will go a long way. Try it sometime. Such a simple way, but a powerful way to do it. Yeah. What, yeah. You want to shift the optimism level in your next meeting, show up smiling versus in a panic or angry face and just test it and see, and see how it goes. Yeah, that's your reaction. Yeah. yeah. Ask yourself. I, I guarantee you, you will improve. <laughs> Man, Pablo, this has been such a fun interview and I love the way that you are just I love your perspective on passion and how to instill that in a team and identify that. We talked about optimism and, and your your vision and the legacy that you hope to leave. As you wrap this up, what is your parting thought for our listeners today? No, it, first of all, thank you, Ben. I really enjoyed talking to you. Um, the, the last thought is that behind my work, there's a lot of good people. And I wouldn't be here if it wouldn't be for the people here in the region in North America or the, the team that I led in Latin America or my parents or the teachers or the colleagues in schools or the, the, my teammates in soccer or, hmm. or the, the other team, the, not my teammates, but the, the adversaries in soccer. So, um, I'm a thankful person for who I am and where I'm at. And uh, hopefully, you know, somebody that listens to, to, to this podcast, I, I hope that a little bit of optimism can, can reach uh, the other side of the street. Awesome. Great note to finish up on. And I mean, I, I guess everybody knows how to find Volkswagen. <laughs> so you can <laughs> check them out. And what they've got, it sounds like there's a lot of exciting things coming down the road, literally with you all, with uh, electric vehicles and other big things coming. So they should just go check it, check you out on the web, on the Volkswagen website to see for updates. Please do. Please do. Yeah. And I recommend uh, following Pablo over on LinkedIn. He's got a lot of good stuff coming. I was just telling him uh, before we got on, I was really enjoying some reflections he shared from one of his trips to Mexico. So uh, a lot of fun to check out there. So keep that going. <laughs> All right, Ben. Thank you so thanks, much. Thanks, Pablo. 
If you're an executive at a crossroads in your career and thinking about quitting, do this before you do anything else. Head over to benfanning.com slash quit to receive a free signed copy of my number one best-selling book, The Quit Alternative, The Blueprint for Creating the Job You Love Without Quitting. You'll learn the critical questions you must answer before you make such an impactful decision. Go to benfanning.com slash quit to get this valuable resource for just the cost of shipping. Ben Fanning is a number one best-selling author, Inc. Magazine columnist, and CEO of the Fanning Group, an international consultancy and corporate training company. To learn how they can help your organization, go to benfanning.com.